All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot, who also looks like he's ready for his Florida retirement residence in that palm tree shirt. <laughs> you like it, Wally? I don't wear yeah, no, it's... t-shirts too often, but yeah. I just figured, you know what? We're in July. It's time to get a little relaxed. Do you still have the receipt? Uh, no. I mean... <laughs> I know it's good. It's no, good. I, I can take it. I can take it. It's all good. I'm just, I'm just still hurt about my old shirt, and I'm, <laughs> and now I'm just trying to feel a way to get back at you. Um, this is the Wall of a Thought Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. As always, go in and check out their newly inspired, Roush inspired BFC custom vehicles, uh, F-150s, Rangers, Mustangs. Uh, go see them, of course, uh, 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven, or you visit them online at barhavenford.com. Don't forget, we had a contest coming up later in the show for free sense tickets from Barhaven Ford. All right. Uh, yes, you just mentioned it's July meth. It is the middle, but this is a huge time right now uh, for all NHL organizations, including the Ottawa Senators. Look, you got the expansion draft list coming out. You got the expansion draft. You got the free agent draft. You got, uh, sorry, you got the NHL entry draft. You got free agency coming up. It is a busy time. So with so much to discuss, we went to the top and we brought in uh, today in our Whitewater chat, it is Pierre Maguire, the new Senior VP of Player Development. He's going to stop by and join us on the show. Of course, that is brought to you by whitewaterbeer.ca. Use uh, your 15% off Wally Mathot coupon code and uh, shop whitewater.ca. Of course, pick up some Dawn Patrol, which is always tasty, high tide. All their beers are enjoyable. Uh, Whitewater beer is brewed by friends for friends. But as always, Meth, it's time to get to the headlines. 
brought to you by BEI, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Bonisher Excavating, Inc. They do equipment rentals, all kinds of stuff. Go visit them, BonisherExcavating.com. Here we go. Number one, maximum exposure. Which Sens player on the bubble must you protect? Apply within. Now that everybody's hiring in the front office, what job would you want to do with an NHL team? Uh, Revenge of the Seth. Where does Seth Jones play? Minnesota gone wild. Wild buyout Parise and Suter. And do the wave. Jeff Skinner, Ben Bishop, among some of the players to waive their no-move clause, of course, appending as the, the expansion draft uh, approaches. So um, let's start with number one, maximum exposure. Hmm. We all know that it's going to probably be Gustafson is protected as a goalie. Let's say it's going to be Zaitsev, Mete, Shabbat protected on the blue line. They, they all seem like that's a pretty common, and that's the way it's going to go. So up front, you've got seven forwards. It's going to yeah. be, obviously, Kachuk, Batherson, Nick Paul, Connor Brown, call it well, maybe not call him white, Austin Watson. Um, <laughs> who's the one player, the seventh guy who's on the bubble that you would say needs to be there? I, I've been kind of battling with this a little bit only because I know it's a contentious topic. There's a lot of different options. And actually, quite frankly, the Sens are in a really good spot because whoever they do lose up front won't obviously hurt the bank or won't, won't, we yeah. won't kill them. We'll put it that They're way. They're in a great but, spot. Yep. They're in a really good spot. So for me, I mean, I'm looking at players like Tierney, White, Dadanoff. Those are the kind of guys that I'm thinking right now have an opportunity perhaps to get picked. And it's not necessarily a slight against them. Uh, Dadanoff right now is a victim of his own contract. He had a really poor season here his first year with Ottawa. I'm looking at a guy like him that I believe the Sens would hope perhaps that Seattle would snag. Yeah. I don't see it happening, though, just because nobody in their right mind's picking up that deal. It's just not going to happen. I don't think. Could be wrong. Uh, but for me right now, as it stands, uh, Wally, I think you protect Colin White. There's no question right there. He's a good guy to have in the room. you got to give him an opportunity. He's very well liked. That can't get discounted enough. You can't downplay that. That's huge. He seems to be a good team contributor. I'm going to give him a chance. Again, another player who perhaps is a victim of the price tag that comes along with them. But for me, Wally, I think it's simple. I think I, I like Craig Button's list. I'd gone over that too. I think that's fairly common. I don't think if there's any real yeah. game-breaking changes that he made in that list i think it's very similar to everybody else's but uh if, if you're trying to get rid of a guy right now it's between those players i think between tyranny white and dad enough ideally dad enough but i think we can all agree on the, on on the list that craig button had posted for the most part i do agree with okay. all those picks and we're gonna have craig button on the show on monday i guess this would be a perfect time to bring that up but yeah. the question i have is is logan brown on the list so that other players can get taken. Not that they're trying to protect him. Well, they're just yes trying no. to move other players. Because he's think on Craig Button's list. So just for people that don't know, Craig Button's list is Drake Batherson, Connor Brown, Logan Brown, Nick Paul, Brady Kachuk, Austin Watson, and Colin White. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's simple. I, I think for a player like him, I think, first of all, if you're if you're in the front office, you're a little concerned because, you know, you're, you might be a little reluctant to, 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 to trade him off or, yeah. or let him go, perhaps, and then all of a sudden he turns into a stud and he's a fantastic NHL hockey player. I think you have to give him an opportunity. He's also a really good trade asset to hold on to, assuming he has a very good summer, which I'm assuming he will have a good summer. Let's hope he's working really hard, okay. trying to improve his game. He's had a lot of – he's been injury-plagued. I know it's been a while. He's had a lot of chances here. And I've been in the camp for the most part that we move on from him and give him a fresh start and just kind of shed that salary. But at this point – we're not really that deep up front. You have an opportunity to hang on to him, protect him, let him go into camp, let him see what he can do. He'll display whatever he's improved on, hopefully. And then you can make that decision moving forward. 
So we're just going to keep doing chance after chance after chance when other players who are better than him don't get the same chances. I, I don't like it either, but but that's just the harsh reality of what You know why this is? Rounders. I think it's because this is Pierre Dorian's first ever draft pick. Oh, okay. Well, you know, so is this is this like a tinfoil hat thing or perhaps... <laughs> No, it's you, just you a, right? a right like you're that's, just that's, protecting that's, that guy. Yeah, and that's unfair for me to say, well, could you actually make a good point? Uh, there, and that happens with every organization. That's not just Pierre. That's everywhere. They've always got yeah. – what people need to understand is that it gets very intense in those rooms when they're when they're drafting players, when they're backing their guys that they have, and they're going to do everything they can oftentimes to make sure that that player succeeds within the organization. Yeah. I've played in organizations in Columbus where I've seen situations at training camp where I'm wondering, why is this player still hanging around based off the camp he had? Well, because somebody high up in the office is a big fan of that player and pushed for that player to move forward and make the team. That's, exactly. that's, that is not uncommon. And you just touched on that, Wally. And that's not a slight towards the general manager. That's common across the NHL. So I think you're going to have some guys, some apologists that are really going to be pushing for him. And I don't see that being an issue in this case, only because, like I said, Wally, there's not a whole lot to pick from. No. Uh, and the Sens are extremely well set up for the expansion draft. There's no question. Uh, I would probably put Colin White on the list. I would like uh, I would I'd like to see maybe Chris Tierney move on just to get him a new fresh yeah. lease on life. I think he's a really good guy. It just he's in the wrong spot, perhaps right now. I don't think he's in this the right rebuild mode for the Ottawa Senators. So yeah. uh, we'll move on. So uh, yeah. apply within, Meth. Uh, what <laughs> job do you want to have in the National Hockey League if you could have one? What corner office name plate do you oh, want? God. Do I, I so I have a choice. No, um, so you can and by the way, you can be a scout, you can be a coach, you can be whatever. You know, uh, there's a guy I've always been envious when we were playing in Ottawa, Sean Donovan always had a really good gig. He'd just come yeah. in, help out with the players, run bag skates, never really had to travel with the team or do any of that uh, uh video cutting which literally takes all day when you're <laughs> when you're an assistant coach or 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 the head coach. So yep. he had a really good job. I like that. Almost kind of like a a player development kind of guy that can come and go as he pleases yeah. i think most players would agree with me that like retired players rather that would be the type of job because again the traveling is a grind it's a lot of work to do and i think a lot of people don't really understand or realize especially in the new era with all the video clipping that coaches do it's from like seven in the morning to about five or six o'clock at night yeah. oftentimes and it's non-stop so it's I think relentless it's, yeah. it's relentless and, I, and i'm not saying there's plenty of jobs out there. Don't get me wrong. That are very difficult to work those long hours. But I'm saying in the hockey world, that's something that I think a lot of people don't really appreciate. So for me, it would just be doing something very casual with the players. Uh, since we have here, well, since we have the senior senior VP of player development coming on, just you've got about uh, 15 minutes to get your CV ready. <laughs> you can present that. to him when he's <laughs> on the show here. Uh, for me, I would like probably to be. Uh, assistant general manager and that is wow, I like the, the right development side and I want to be involved with Belleville and helping to develop and build uh, yeah, that would and build be up good call so yeah I, I'd I probably do that. that good position and, yeah, and for those who don't know like yeah well I, the assistant VP is the guy that always ends up being there or assistant general manager always be, is the guy that runs basically the farm team so that's why yeah. I'd like to be part of that That'd be fun. Um, okay so uh, on to number three now revenge of the Seth I, I, if you're not a Star Wars guy this means nothing to you I love uh, Love. Where does Seth Jones go to play? Well, now would you you would know Seth Jones, right? No, I don't know him. Um, we just kind of missed, I guess, each other, if you will, when I got there. I think he was drafted a year or two after I was traded, so I never really um, got to be around him at all. But I'm a huge fan of Seth Jones. I know a lot of people online um, 
have been talking about his analytics going down. Yeah. He was a bit of, he was a little on the decline for the last couple of seasons. And, you know, perhaps it's not an area you want to touch. Listen, it's simple. I've had the opportunity to watch him play quite a bit. And recently, because I just admire good defensemen. And this is one of them. He is a top, def- he is a top 10 defenseman in the national hockey league. Despite his numbers, he's been playing on a declining team in Columbus. So I don't think it's a fair shake to point just the numbers. If you watch him play, you'll know that he's a, first of all, he's a pretty all-star. He's the kind of guy that I'm assuming will be playing on the Olympic team for the United States. This is a guy you can't sleep on. And he's been hibernating over there a little bit in Columbus, if you will. And so this is a top 10 defenseman that you can get your hands on if you're making a push and you're a little lower or rather a little thin on the back end, perhaps. So again, and and we can talk about it later because I know we're going to touch on a couple other guys that I think fit the bill in Colorado. But there are teams, I know with Seth Jones, there's a lot of talk with regards to Chicago. He's only 26 years old. He's not an old player. Yeah, no. he's 20 and he's, he's incredibly athletic. He's a really good two-way defenseman. He defends very well. He's got a nice knack offensively with the puck. Great shot. I mean, this is, this is in my opinion, at least one of the, one of the, the key guys that you can go for right now on the back end going into the summer. So again, I'm a big fan of his. Do I see a fit for him in Ottawa? No, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. No. There's going to be a nice little tag that comes along with him. But again, that's a player you can't sleep on. I still think he's an excellent hockey player, and he's got a lot of good hockey left to play. Okay, so you didn't mention one team, and it's been rumored, and now it opens up a whole other can of worms we'll spend some time on, and that is Montreal. So uh, are we not going to see Shea? Like, is Shea Weber's career over now, as is being started to be hinted and, and looking at uh, because of due to injury? And does yeah. he move into that spot? Like, I would seem like a pretty good spot for him to go based on the way the Montreal Canadiens have played this season. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And, and you know what, Wally? I think with 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 Shea Weber, he, I mean, he's my age, right? He's 36. Yeah. He's up there. And, and, of course, he's, by the sounds of it, very banged up. Am I going to write him off? Absolutely not. Because you never know. I mean, there's always players like him out there that, depending on the injuries, of course, are still very hungry to play. And do I think he still has a role in the NHL if he is healthy? Absolutely. Are we kidding? Look, we just saw him play fantastic hockey here, banged up in the finals this year. So you mean to tell me that he's done all of a sudden and he can't play in a year and a half from now? I know it's a long layoff for him if he is hurt and if he does miss the entire next year. We don't know all the answers just yet. But I do believe there's an opportunity for him and there's still going to be a role for him when he comes back. It just depends, you know, how much responsibility you're willing to give a guy that might not be the best at moving around as much. Well, it wasn't, it, I don't know, maybe two, three years ago, the time flies sometimes is uh, he had the foot injury. I, if I'm not mistaken, yep. right. It was yeah, kept out and yeah. people are like, no, no, he's done now. He'll never come back and be the same. Right. So I wouldn't, I just have an issue counting out Shea Weber, but at his age and the mileage that he has put on that body, uh, it would be a shame to oh. perhaps see the end of Shea Weber this after this season. Agreed. And you know what, Wally? Yeah. Again, that's that is just as likely to happen where he may just retire, jump on yeah. LTIR, and you know that's it. But well, qu- quality of life, and you brought it up before, is huge, right? Like you want to be but able to do niece, something with your kids. Yes, and my niece, like mine's mine's brutal, like right, like my niece sore right now just because I rode the bike a little hard yesterday. So it gives you a little insight as to what your body goes through as a player particularly one that plays a very physical game. It's not, you're not floating around every night around the perimeter looking for one-timers. You're right in there battling in net front, cross checks, hard miles, getting run into the wall every shift when you're getting a loose puck. Those are things that you go through as D-men, particularly the bigger offensive or defensive guys. So I can relate. Quality of life, Wally, no matter what, won't be the same for him, I'm sure. I mean, there's going to be little little issues that he's going to have to deal with, but 
you can't write him off because I do believe, first of all, skating is not exactly a strength of his as far as moving around around the ice. That's not something rather that he relies on. You'll get enough mileage out of him if you can figure it out. And it also comes up to what he's willing to put himself through moving forward. And then finally, just quickly, and still in Montreal, we saw Dominic yeah. Ducharme now become the new head coach of the Montreal Canadiens and Luke Richardson, our good friend, both got three-year deals. Uh, good to see. Are you okay with Dominic Ducharme being the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah, I mean, given the lineup and the way the, the ups and downs that they had this year, I don't see an issue with it. And he's French Canadian. I know the team loves that. We yeah. all know the teams. The, the, we all know Montreal always enjoys having a representative that can speak their native tongue over there. So, I mean, it's, and it's not just that, of course. I'm sure he's a fantastic coach. Otherwise, they wouldn't resign him. The team did very well down there at the end of the stretch, which I'm sure solidified that extension. But I've seen some other insiders mention that it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, relying on that, that his job was already secure going into the postseason, which surprised me a little bit, I won't lie. But yeah. the fact that they performed the way they did shows me that the team listens to him. They've responded to him. I'm reluctant to say that they're going to make the postseason again next year, or at least make it as far as they did. I don't see it happening, especially with that older group. But hats off to him, and I'm happy for Luke especially. He deserves it. We know he's a great coach. He's a composed presence back there behind them, and the, the players yeah. listen to him, and they respect the hell out of him. So good for Luke. And when he talks, you can tell that everybody seems to listen. All right, uh, Absolutely. moving on, and that is uh, Minnesota gone wild. There's so much going on with the expansion. <laughs> I love expansion drafts because it just messes everything up. So the Wild buy out Zach Parise and yeah. Ryan Suter. Are, are you shocked by this? The Ryan Suter thing blows my mind only because the guy can still play hockey and is very good at it. And I think he's like, whatever, in the last 10 years, number one in ice time and all that stuff. Yeah. Did, this, did this surprise you at all as a player? Well, they made a bold decision as an organization. Am I surprised? Not really. They're, those aren't young players we're talking about, Wally. These are older guys that still have a couple of years left on their deals. Do I think they still can do, do I believe they can still play and contribute? Oh, of course I can. Of course they can. The numbers back them up. I mean, with Parisi, didn't have a great year offensively this past season, yeah. but the year before was he was solid. And so, and last year there was some stuff going on with the coach. We were I don't know if you remember Wally, but there was this little incident against Vegas in OT where Parisi took that like minute and a half long shift and didn't come off the ice with his line mates to change makes a poor play, they end up getting scored on. And it almost it was almost like that sealed it for him there for that year. Yeah. They kind of buried him, right? And so, yeah. you know, and, and the same with Suter. And I, I talked to a couple guys actually about this yesterday just because I wanted to get a feel for where they're at. I hadn't had a chance to watch Minnesota play a ton. And a lot of these guys, rather two of them, mentioned the same thing, Wally, in that there is a role for him still in this league. A team like Colorado is a good is, is a good example of perhaps an area that he can go in and help on that second pairing, log maybe some lesser uh, you know lesser minutes, a little less responsibility. I think that's a fit for him. So again, at this point, those are two veterans that can bring the leadership to your group. Colorado again, I'm going to mention them a good opportunity, perhaps a good situation for a player like Suter, but otherwise, not really all that surprised they were bought out. Is Ryan Suter fit in Ottawa? It's a skating. Yeah, honestly, it's a skating Wally. I think, I think for me, I'm a, I, I, I'm a firm believer that you need to be able to move around very well in this league. And yeah. I've got nothing but respect for Ryan Suter. I want to make that very clear. But I, he was never a great skater. You know, he was never a fast player to begin with in his prime. So as you find him now on his decline, it wouldn't surprise me if you'll see him kind of struggle with that game speed. And of course, the NHL is going the opposite direction right now, as we all know. It's getting incredibly fast. All these young players coming in are sick. So, you know, if you're an old guy, 
and your skating is one of your issues, that could bite you and it certainly can affect the team's performance. So again, I don't know that I would go after him if I'm Ottawa. I think that's more of a situation where if you're a team that's right now vying for a Stanley Cup and you're right there on the doorstep and maybe you need an extra defenseman for depth, that's where you would look. You'd look to a player like Ryan Suter right now. All right. Uh, lots of, again, more player movement. So number five and finally, do the wave. Uh, I thought it was quite ingenious by me. Is uh, Jeff Skinner, Ben Bishop, just a few of the guys who have agreed to waive their no-move clause. Of course, this is ahead of the expansion draft. Are you we shocked? We never saw that. Hey, Wally, we never saw guys waving their no-trade when I no. played. What happened? No, like, I, I don't want to hit a sore spot. Um, this is such a perfect day to have Dion Phaneuf on. Is, yeah, yeah. Like, can you, are you surprised by this now? It just seems like, you know, players understand that there's a fresh start, that they can go to a competitive team, I think is a big part. That when yeah. they saw Vegas be able to be so successful, they're like, okay, maybe the expansion route isn't so bad. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, it's, I mean, you get to go play in a beautiful city. And this is the same, Seattle's no exception. Yeah. You get to go play in a beautiful city, brand new building. Of course, you know, it's, you know, you got to get the kinks out. And I'm sure there's going to be some logistical issues initially as, and growing pains with the new organization. But for the most part, I mean, what's not to like, right? So. Yeah. I, you know, if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably still rather play in Vegas only because of the climate and everything else that comes with it. But of course, Seattle's beautiful and players are kind of learning this now. They've seen the process, as you mentioned, Wally, and yep. what entails with going to a new team. And it's not so bad anymore. And I think, again, if you're one of those players that perhaps might be a little lesser appreciated on any given team that might be left available, you're going to be going to a team that's excited to have you on board. You're going to probably have a greater role with that new club in Seattle. It's a good thing. So all these, but, but let's not get carried away, Wally. All these guys that we're seeing wave their no trades, these are mostly players that are pretty certain they're not going to get picked up and they're helping their own team by doing so, right? Like they're giving their teams opportunities right now to move some players around and protect certain players that otherwise would have been, would not have been. So uh, am I surprised that we're seeing this? A player like Ben Bishop's been injury plagued for a while. He knows he's not going anywhere. It's Those are prime examples of, you know, guys that are just very self-aware and they know that they're probably not going to get picked up. Okay, so the thing with Bish for me, though, is, and because we know him, I, I guess my view is probably skewed a little. I think he's an exceptional goaltender. Yes, he battles oh, the injury sure. issues. Yeah. But you have a chance to make him, like, put him into your roster in Seattle. And I, the numbers and all that stuff, I haven't done through the salary cap. But wouldn't that be a perfect fit for a guy? Like a yeah, veteran well, goalie who's a Vesna. Vesna winner, if I'm not mistaken, maybe just a finalist, I can't remember. Um, I think, I don't know, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I agree with you. You make a really good point. And, and when you look at it from that lens, I, I mean, and assuming he stays healthy, of course, then yes, yeah. it's a fantastic, because, and forget about the cap, they're going to need to reach, they're going to need to at least reach the floor. And from what I understand, are willing to spend right to the cap. So I think, you know, like money's not going to be an issue there. And if you can find, a you know, a legitimate all-star uh, top tier elite goaltender on that backside. You know, of course, Bish has had a couple off years only because of the injuries and whatnot. And yep. that to me, that to me is a legitimate concern, right? If you're no building a new team, you know, you want to be aware of that and you're going to have to do your, your due diligence and your homework and find out where he's at yep. physically right now. But all that aside, you know, if you're looking at it from face value and you're looking at it on paper, of course, a player like Ben Bishop's a guy you want because you want to build off. We've seen it now in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Your goaltender is unquestionably your most important player on your team, that most important piece. And we've seen now that, you know, you got to pay. And at this point, a bitch would be a kind of, would be that kind of player that you would pull in. But again, Wally, I, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict that. 
Uh, if it, but one other thing though, and maybe important to point out, and maybe not, is also when you are an expansion team, you need to bring in players who can be out in the community and be articulate and sell your brand, right? And yeah. what? So you need to find those guys as well. And Ben Bishop is one of those who's a great salesman, who's very personable, right? Very articulate. Yeah, very well spoken, so, yeah. Right? You've got to find, it'd be interesting to see which players they select because I think they're going to have to find those guys as well to help sell that product on local TV and all the interviews and all that stuff. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. On Monday's show, we will rehash your great uh, Las Vegas five-day experience uh, as, we, uh, as we break down the expansion draft on Monday with Craig Button. But for now, those are the headlines built by Bonisher Excavating Inc., uh, go visit BEI at BonisherExcavating.com, and they're helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. All right, uh, coming up after the break, we've got Pierre Maguire. Of course, he's now the new v senior VP of player development with the Ottawa Senators. That is in the that is in the chat, quenched by WhitewaterBeer.ca. Uh, their beer is amazing. Go visit them. And also, check out their patio if you ever want to go out and have some food. It's in Cobden, 78 Pembroke Street. They have a great restaurant out there, beautiful spot. Uh, or get delivery, shop WhitewaterBeer.ca. The Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford, returns with Pierre Maguire right after this. All right, welcome back to the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. As promised in the chat, we have Senior VP of Player Development for the Ottawa Senators, Pierre Maguire, brought to you by Whitewater Beer. Of course, you can check out all their beers at shopwhitewater.ca. Don't forget to use the 15% off Wally and Mathoc coupon code. Now, without further ado, here is Pierre Maguire. Does it, does it feel kind of weird to come back to a team that you were a, a coach for so many moons ago? Uh, not really, no. I mean, the players changed, the organizations sure. changed, but I think the biggest thing is the passion in the community hasn't changed. I remember coaching in Hartford when we'd come up when Ottawa was in its infant season, we'd be in the old Civic Center, and it was just phenomenal to go in there. And I remember once we were playing just before Christmas, and you'd watch the warm-up as a visiting coach from the stands, actually, back in the day. It was that civilized. You couldn't do that in too many other buildings, but you could do it in Ottawa. And, and I remember seeing a father and a son. It was just before Christmas, and the, you could tell the father was a hardworking man, and you could tell how excited this young son maybe 12 or 13 years old was to be at the game and I remember looking at that saying that's just awesome that's what the NHL should be all about you know mm -hmm. that kind of a relationship sharing it enjoying it and I kind of walked back to the dressing room and I, I had to go to the bathroom because I had a little tear in my eye I'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> but I didn't want my players to see me tearing up but that's why I was emotional at that point I saw that I was like what a great Christmas present for that young man and what a great job by the yeah. father to bring him so I always had fond memories of Ottawa always I, th I think I've realized how this has all played out because Ottawa just switched back to the 2D logo and that's when you were in the organization. So I'm thinking you can now wear all your old 2D logo <laughs> Ottawa Senator stuff. That's right, Wally, 100%. There you go. I like it. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Um, so what do you do? What's your job? Um, it's, it's all encompassing. I mean, I'll, I'll try to be a resource for Pierre Dorian. I'll try to be a resource for DJ and his staff. I'll try to be a resource for Troy, uh, down at the American hockey League level. I think Troy and Trent Mann are really unsung heroes in this organization. Troy yeah. obviously runs Belleville and, and Trent's done a magnificent job with their amateur scouts at the, at the draft. Um, so I'll, I'll try to help them as much as possible. Uh, 
I'll be involved in the community with communications, both with the media and with people uh, in the community. It's an all-encompassing job trying to help the amateur scouts with information, the pro scouts with information. Um, I'm there for long-term and short-term strategic uh, planning. So there's a lot that I think I can help the organization with. And Pierre, you're, you're, I was just going to add to that. You're, I mean, my experiences and interactions with you have always been very positive. I can still remember you pulling me aside in New York during the playoffs in 2017 and giving me some positive feedback. So I know that that can be very contagious as a player. Are you going to have any interactions with the players and, and the personnel actually, you know, suiting up and going on the ice at all? Is it mostly just kind of behind the scenes? No, you know, Mark, that's a great question. And that's something that when I get together with DJ and with Jack Capuano and Davis Payne and Bob Jones, uh, and even Zach Burke now, by the way, who's done a fantastic job yeah. with our goal. I'm going to look forward to that. And hopefully I'll be able to spend a little time with some of the players. I think one of the things I learned over time, Mark, and I saw Scotty Bowman do this so well, working with Craig Patrick and Bob Johnson when I was part of the Penguins, um, or Scotty working with Kenny, De, uh, Kenny Holland and Jimmy Devolano after he was done coaching, just taking players aside. Sometimes, as you know, it's yeah. good to have a different voice. And I think that's something that, I can insulate the staff with. I did coach for a long time. I, I like to yep. think we had some success when I coached. So, um, yeah, I think it's something that eventually will play a role in, in my job description. Yeah, that's good because you don't forget it. It's funny, like we're talking now, and I haven't forgotten that interaction, and you probably had millions of them with players, right? But I think having that that positive feedback goes a long way with some of the younger guys, right? Well, Especially when you're lie. always you're, – you're constantly hearing coaches tell you a certain message. So when you have a new fresh face come in and kind of pull you over for a second, it, it can really pay dividends down the road. I got to be transparent here. You are one of my favorite players. So the fact that I'm actually doing this with you <laughs> is pretty good. I, I so admire Thanks, admired your courage. I admired your unselfishness. You were a phenomenal teammate. But more than anything else, you played for the well-being of the team. And I had many players like that over time. And those were the guys I really appreciated the most. The stars stood out. Everybody knew who the stars were. But they really had to do the heavy lift and behind the scenes. And even on in front of the camera, like you've had to do, um, I respect those people so much. So it was a pleasure just to get to know you as a player and a person. Thanks, Pierre. Uh, I, I don't know how to interrupt that love affair. As, um, Wally's got a tear. <laughs> Wally has a yeah. tear. Oh, um, yeah. This is going to be insufferable <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah. Can you just quickly give us the expansion list? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things you just brought it up, and that is positive energy. I've yep. never known you to not come to the rink in a good mood. And I, that can't be said that you don't have bad days like everybody else, but the way that you conduct yourself is amazing. It's always been something I've always admired about you is the yeah. way you have this positive feel about yourself the entire time. Is it like, is that just who you are? I think so. My passion for hockey started back in 1965. My father actually loved hockey, but he loved football. My grandfather really loved hockey. So I'll never forget my mother's father. So my, my maternal grandfather brought me to a game at Old Madison Square Garden. I was probably five or six years old. And I remember, I remember everything. It was yesterday. The Canadians were great. They were playing the Rangers. And I walked in, and that's when people were smoking in the ring. So you walk in, there'd be this blue hay <laughs> over the ice. And they had an organ, and, and the players were hitting each other, and there were fights, and there was great plays and awesome saves and the goalies didn't wear masks and I was like wow those guys are courageous they're crazy too <laughs> and then I'll never forget this um in 1971 the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup in Chicago in a game seven 
And everybody that year was picking the Boston Bruins. And in the first round, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Boston Bruins. And they had this goalie that nobody knew outside of college hockey. His name was Ken Dryden. And I'll never forget watching game seven. Montreal's down 2 nothing in Chicago in the old Chicago stadium. <clears throat> and Henri Richard uh, gets two goals. Jacques Lemaire scores from center ice when they're down 2 nothing. And all of a sudden, the whole game changes. And I'm just telling you, that hooked me. Like, I was addicted from that point on. And one of the interesting things is in 1992, so 21 years later, I was coaching in a Stanley Cup final in that old Chicago stadium, and we beat Chicago in four straight. So pretty good memory. <laughs> I did, oh, that's did, awesome. the, did the memories flood back to you while you stood on the bench there? It did, actually. Yeah. I'll never forget going on the ice for practice before game three. And I said, wow, this is where Ken Dryden stood in the crease. You know, this is a point at center ice where Jacques Lemaire scored on Tony Esposito. This is right where Henri Richard driving hard in the net, chipped the puck up and over Esposito. So the, the answer is yes, Brent. Absolutely. Yeah. And and there have been uh, lots of memories. Actually, you and I have a lot of them on the road. I'm going to get to that in a sec. I'm, uh, you brought up starting back into hockey. And early on, uh, this is where the hockey world is so tight. You met Steve Sterling. Uh, who ended up being your hockey coach? Uh, you worked for him, if I'm not mistaken. Did yep. he? And now he's in the Ottawa Senators organization. Did that play any part in you joining Ottawa? Were there any conversations with you and Steve? No, Steve and I have been friends for a long time. I first met Steve in 1984, 85, and I went to work for him right away at Babson College. Um, and I was there for three years. I ran a hockey school for him called Europa, uh, Europa Cup. And back then we had Keith Kachuk, we had Tony Amonti, we had Jeremy Roenick, we had Sean McEachern, uh, we had Bobby Kellogg, who was a third round pick of the Chicago Blackhawks. The, the amount of players that came through that organization was phenomenal. And that was run by Steve Sterling and a man named Dick Flood, who's no longer with us. And I worked for those gentlemen. And uh, so that's the first real exposure I had to Steve. But when I got the job, the first call I made in the morning, it was early, was to Steve, just to say I'm really glad to be part of the same team with you. Uh, very interesting. Uh, you also played, and you were a defenseman. I, this is where meth is going to come into this conversation. We always talk about small D not being as effective, and I, I would probably put you if you were in the NHL on the smaller side. So what are your thoughts on small D now in the NHL compared to when you see, like, Montreal had a big back end, and so did, I guess, Tampa for that matter. Do you need to be big on the blue line? Well, it sure helps. It helps a ton. But I think you have to be hockey strong more than anything else, and you have to have great peripheral vision if you're going to be smaller. Um, you've got to be a guy that can make a good first pass tape to tape. You have to be insulated by a great partner that's probably bigger than most people. Yeah. Um, I, I, Brian Leach is not a huge man, but he had mm -hmm. all those things. and He had a great partner in Jeff Bukaboom. Eric Carlson's not a real big man, but he had a great partner in Mark Mathot. I mean, I can go down the line of all, all the small guys. Matt Grizzlick's a really good player in Boston, not an yeah. overly large guy, but one of the things that helps him, he gets insulated by bigger players. So you can play as a smaller defenseman in the NHL, yeah. but you really have to have the right partnership if you're going to be able to do it. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, and Wally kind of paraphrased a little because it's not that we think there's no room for smaller D men. It's been, and I guess that was for dramatic effect here, of course. And you know what it's like here in the media world. But I think what we're kind of alluding to is that you've got a couple smaller bodies now on that back end with, you know, with Mete, of course. And I don't know what you guys are going to, I'm not going to presume to, to guess what you guys plan on doing with the expansion protection list, but you've got Mete and Branch from back there right now. That's kind of what we're going with. So, 
do you see you guys making any adjustments back there if anybody happens to become available this summer or can you even release that information right now no that's a fair question it's a good question mark i think you're always looking to make your team better I think you're always looking to make your team bigger. I think a lot of people saw what, what Tampa's defense was like. I think yeah. a lot of people saw a few years ago what St. Louis's defense was like. It was almost impossible exactly. to get that on St. Louis. Um, you look at when L.A. won their cups, two cups in four years, and you see how big their defense was. So yeah. I think size does matter. I mean, Tampa won back-to-back with virtually the same defense. And I know Bogosian wasn't there, but virtually the same defense. You look at the development of Chernak. You look at what McDonough meant to their team. You look at, obviously, up front with, with Victor Hedman and, and how great he's been. I, I don't want to drop too many names, but I think no, no, is, you're right. you need to get bigger for every team. It's not just Ottawa. I think it's every team's looking to yeah. do that. Yeah, fair enough. Is that hard for you now after 25 years of being able to comment on any name in the National Hockey League? You can't now. No, and I shouldn't. Um, you know, I really respect the job that most of these teams have done. I, there's some teams yeah. that do it better than others, but I'm a big fan of, of supporting uh, the scouts. I'm a big proponent of the scouting fraternity. I was part of it. I think they're really important. They're the lifeblood of any organization. All these teams get built up. And the general managers get credit for it, and they deserve it because they're the guys that take the slings and arrows. But if you look behind all the GMs, there's some unbelievable management people on the scouting side that do unbelievable work. They really do. Yeah. Uh, so during that broadcast time, I actually joined uh, TSN in 98. I was in global in Montreal, 97, when you started doing yeah. some radio stuff. And, and so we've traveled a couple of places. One thing oh, we've yeah. done is a claim to fame. You and I did the very last game at Continental Airlines Arena in New Jersey when Ottawa beat the Devils in, I think, round two. Uh, it's always been one of those weird things. I'm like, Pierre and I stood in the stands and did a hit one time. Uh, yep. as the final game in the Continental Airlines arena. I've always enjoyed working alongside you. Well, I've, same thing. You know, World Junior, NHL, uh, trade deadline shows, UFA, uh, free agents, frenzy shows. We've done a lot of stuff together over time, Brandon. It was a ton of fun. I, I loved working at TSN. And obviously, the Olympics in 2010 was a right. huge part of everybody's life at TSN. That was just a magnificent Olympics. And I'm just really grateful I had the opportunity to work there, especially at that Olympics. That was phenomenal. That one was good, too. The one that caught me off guard was 2012. Uh, you did water polo, if I'm not mistaken. But I did. we ran into each other in the broadcast media center, and I'm like, it just seems weird to see you at the summer games, but you did a great <laughs> job. You know what's amazing about water polo? And I got to share this. Mark, you might have <laughs> this as well. The U.S. The US women are the dream team of water polo. They are off the charts good they are so good it's scary maggie steffens is the best female water polo player in the world she went to stanford university i was in london what brent's talking about that was her first ever olympics she was just becoming a freshman at stanford now she's graduated she was phenomenal in rio she is the wayne gretzky of women's water polo i'm not kidding you this lady is unbelievable in sport so i was around their group uh, for a lot, a lot of time over the London Olympics and the Rio Olympics. And all of them love hockey. It, it's unbelievable. The similarities between the two sports, amazing. It's amazing. But the women on the U.S. water polo team, their passion for hockey's off the charts. It really is. Nice. Awesome. Uh, what's it like now that you're out of it to be between the benches for hockey games and to hear the stuff that goes on and to try to miss flying pucks and sticks? How... One, how difficult is it to actually call a game and analyze it from ice level when everybody's in the way of what you're trying to see? And what's it like between 
uh, the two sides who are warring at the time and you're caught in the middle? Well, it's a different kind of experience. There's no question about it. I think it requires a lot of experience and a lot of reps. I don't think Mark could speak to this too. I, I don't think people that have never been down there would have mm. an easy time doing it. Everything's fast. It's furious. There's some violence. There's some nastiness. <laughs> there's no question. So you got to keep your head up all the time. It's a dangerous place. I mean, I've had players, like, I'll never forget the 2010 Olympics. Finland was playing Slovakia and Chara hit uh, Kimo Timon and he went flying over the boards and I caught him because if I didn't catch him, he was going to take my head off because he was like a projectile <laughs> going through the air. So I caught him and right into my microphone. You can hear Kimo say, Pierre, thanks for saving my life. I was like, no, I protected myself. Uh, <laughs> I've been hit over the head with sticks. I was cut pretty bad in Buffalo one night. And mm. Mark, you'll appreciate this. Uh, Rip Simonic, the legendary trainer in Buffalo, says, Petey, you're bleeding real bad. I said, oh, Rip, <laughs> I know. He says, you want to go get stitches? I said, no, I'll finish the period. And I did. He just gave me a towel. And it's the first time I ever had surgical glue. It shot into my head, and it closed <laughs> the wound instantaneously. It took about three seconds. But I just got to tell you this. Maybe that's what happened to me. That surgical glue still has an effect. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a funny thing, too, because I think just to touch on the on ice level, people don't really truly, I don't think, appreciate unless you've sat down and had the, the privilege, I guess, to get those tickets and sit down at ice level. It's incredibly fast. And if you're sitting there doing color commentary, trying to call a game and there's pucks and sticks flying everywhere, it's it really is a skill that takes time to develop, right? I mean, even on the bench, sometimes you're not paying attention. Pucks are flying everywhere. But ultimately, I guess my point is that the game is so fast that you need to have all your, your information down. Everything's got to be prepared. I don't know how you guys do it, Pierre. You're obviously exceptionally intelligent. If you can manage to remember tidbits of every single player out there, all the while protecting yourself. So hats off for that. Thanks a lot, Mark. I appreciate it. Well, prior preparation prevents potential problems. It's a big part of the job. It is. <laughs> that's a good point. Well said. I think Al Arbor told me that once. That's the thing that I miss the most, I guess. Back in the day when I was breaking in as a coach, whether it was an assistant or a head, there was like a coaching fraternity. Guys would visit one another before the games. I will let the secret out. Some guys smoked a lot. Some guys drank coffee. And heck, some guys even drank stronger stuff than coffee, if you know what I mean. <laughs> that was the old days. But you, like Al Arbor would send his trainer over and say, hey, tell the kid I want to talk to him. And I'd go into his office and maybe smoke a cigarette and have a cup of coffee. And he'd say to me, how are things going? We never talked about hockey. But those were the things. And I remember one time him saying to me, prior preparation prevents potential problems. And I never forgot it. I never forgot it. Just coming from a legendary person like Al. And so I missed that a little bit. And I'm glad that I'm going to get a chance to at least be part of the fraternity again a little bit that way. But, you know, I got to tell you, you played junior in an amazing program, obviously, with the London Knights. And yep. I was there five when you won the Memorial Cup with Corey Perry and that great London Knights team and beating Crosby's team in the final. And, and one of the things that stood out, it was old school, but it was new school. Does that make sense right. to you? Yeah, it, it does. really was. It was awesome to watch. I saw so much of what it used to be like when I was coaching. And then I saw so much of where the game was going. It was really interesting. Right. Yeah. You put, you put, it's funny. Cause I look back, I, it's, I don't think I've watched any of those games for about 15 years. And then finally this past year, I, I, I reached out to Sportsnet Pierre and I'm like, please, can you guys please send me these games? I want to watch them. I don't have them anywhere. Like they were on tapes, right? right. Or DVDs perhaps. So yeah, you're right. Watching the games, it was just a different style. There was still a little bit of that old school kind of 
maybe a little bit of grabbing a net front and, and wrestling around like for space, a lot of that, those battles, but then everywhere else on the ice, you had a really nice display of skill, right? With guys like Rob Shrimp and Corey Perry. So there was a nice hybrid. Obviously the games evolved from then and it's much faster now, but even then I love how you put it. It was, it was a nice mixture of both styles that were kind of integrating as one. Yeah, no, I enjoyed watching. There's something I'll always remember. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite player you've, or an interview you've had over the years? Babcock's really good. Mike Babcock, Wally, you know, we started those coaching interviews back in 2005. NBC was the first group to actually push for those. And Mike Babcock was really good because he'd tell you everything you wanted to know and he didn't sugarcoat it. Um, I, I thought Joel Quenville was phenomenal. In terms of players, um, Zach Parisi has been very good over the years. Mark Mathot was very good over the years. Oh. I'm not surprised he's doing that. Mark was very, very good. Um, you know, Anse Kopitar, outstanding. Um, Mike Richards back in the day was really good. I, Jonathan Taves, I know a lot of people say oh, he just doesn't say much. Jonathan Taves is pretty darn good at the interviews. Brent yeah. Seabrook was fantastic. Chris, yeah. Christopher Pronger, I was his first oh, yeah. pro coach. Christopher Pronger was outstanding during the Stanley Cup final, Carolina versus Edmonton in 2006. So there, I have a lot of good memories, but... I think the gold standard for the coaches was Babcock. He was really, really good at it. Those coach interviews, uh, and I've done it only a couple, were the most hair-raising experiences for me. Because those coaches, especially if you're trailing or your team's not playing well, they don't want to see any part of you at the moment. So they just want you to get in <laughs> and get out and don't ask anything really because that he has to answer. And so I always cringe sometimes when I'm like, I got to go up. Can I excuse me? Can we chat for a second? <laughs> Well, I got a good one on that. Mark will appreciate this. Uh, John Tortorella was coaching the New York Rangers. It was a sad, Sunday afternoon game, right at 12, 12.30 start, and Torts wasn't in a good mood. And so I had to interview him, uh, second TV timeout of the first period. So I go over there, he goes, I'm not talking to you, Pierre. I said, Torts, <laughs> you have no choice. You, you can say no to the answer or the question, but you have to say something. I'm not talking to you. So finally I said, okay, buzz off kind of thing. And he said, wait a second, wait a second. So I went out and he actually did the interview. But at that time, it speaks to what Brent was talking about, Mark. He just didn't want to do the interview. He's mad at something. <laughs> so good. Yeah, they could be temperamental. And did he give oh. you any legitimate answers or were they just no, yes, no, get out of here? Uh, no, he was, Torch was pretty good. I mean, he and yeah. I go, I can tell you one thing. When he was an assistant in Buffalo and I was an assistant in, in Hartford, it wasn't good. Like We didn't get along very well, but we got along a lot better as time went on, and we both grew up a little bit more, I think. Yeah, fair enough. And, and he's a lightning rod who brings it on mostly all himself. And I know you know him away from the rink, and he does lots of charity work and stuff. Is he just misrepresented, or did he just do this to himself? I think he's misrepresented a little bit. I like John a lot. Yeah, um, so do I. I John and... I thought some of his best coaching took place when he was in Columbus. The team that originally drafted Mark Mathot, the Columbus Blue Jackets, no. way back no. when. But I, I, I thought John did some of his best coaching. I really mean that. Um, I think he's a little bit misrepresented. He cares so much about people. He does a lot in society. He never asks credit for. Uh, I have a ton of respect for the way John carries himself. I really do. One of my favorite uh, memories with John Tortorella is we're at the uh, – uh, the NHL awards and he's now nominated for the Jack Adams and he had just left TSN. I think he's with the Rangers and I show up to interview him and he's wearing a TSN golf shirt. He's like, well, that's all I got. And so I just <laughs> chuckled that he's still wearing this stuff. Right. I shouldn't laugh. Cause now I do the same thing. Um, is 
Has there been any player uh, in game? Because they always come over to watch the replays at in the between the benches. Yep. Has anybody gotten mad at you over hearing something you've said or anything of that sort? Not that I'm aware of. At least they haven't said it to my face. <laughs> Maybe they've said it behind my back, which is fair. I have a good story on that, though. In the 2007 Stanley Cup playoffs, the Anaheim Ducks, Brian Burke was their general manager. They were playing Colorado um, in one of the early series. And my boss, Sam Flood, said, there's no inside the glass position. We got to go see Berkey. So we went to see Brian. He was actually in the weight room in Anaheim, which is right near the dressing room there for those that have been there. And uh, we say to Brian, listen, there's no inside the glass position here. And this is how we do our games. Can we just put McGuire at the end of the bench away from your coaches and near the trainers? And he goes, absolutely. I don't want to break it. I kind of like what's going on. So he put me on the bench and it lasted the whole playoff. They eventually beat Ottawa, obviously no bad memories, but they beat Ottawa in five games. So in front of me at one point in the game is Pronger, Niedermeyer, Sean O'Donnell, Francois Beauchemin. The four of them are sitting in front of me. One of the other guys on the ice made a bad turnover. So I'm alive on TV and I go, that was an egregious turnover. And O'Donnell looks back at me and goes, what does that mean? <laughs> he said that. <laughs> so I just I explained it to him and he started laughing and it was great. But yeah, That's no, no, right. I, I haven't heard any players saying it. One time I did say that Mike Madonna was having a tough night and I exposed it on tape. So Mike is a legendary player, obviously. And I went down to the Dallas Stars dressing room to explain to him why I said what I said. I wanted him to hear it from me, not from somebody else. And he said, if you think you were tough on me, you should have heard what the coach was saying about me. <laughs> I have no problem with it. So I thought That's Mike good. handled it great, but I wanted to make sure that he understood that it was nothing personal, and I went yeah. to see him afterwards. Yeah, no, it's very important, which is why you have so much respect around the league. Now, I've only known you, for the most part, to know hockey and to be involved completely in hockey. What do you do to get away from hockey? I golf, and then mm. I try to be a dad, and I try to be a husband. And I'm not always perfect at both of those things, but I golf a lot. And I'm a little bit better maybe than I used to be. I <laughs> feel good in golf, but then I stopped playing because I was trying to be a father and a husband. So I, I, I like to be around my family. I really enjoy it. Um, you know, I enjoy watching my children have successes. I try to be there when they don't have the successes. And uh, my wife's been an amazing partner for a long time now, almost 23 years. So it's been great. Because it's tough. Like, when you're 23 years on the road, and just for me, and I can, I'm, and I'm almost like at a thousand days in hotels. I think it when I was with TSN, and that's not counting them all. Like you spent a long time away from your family. It makes it tough uh, on everybody because there's a lot of adjustments everybody has to make so that you can go and do what it is that you do to, that you love. No, that's very fair to say, and that's why they're the unsung heroes. You know, I've I've always tried to make time for my children once the season's over, but. Uh, they've been amazingly supportive. I, the, the person that was probably the happiest when Mr. Melnick gave me this position was my daughter. She's a real proud Canadian. Um, she's an elite athlete. She's just a great kid. And uh, she called me up. She said, Dad, this is the best thing ever. I'm like, thanks, Justine. Thanks a lot. So it was really nice to have her support. Has she asked for a Sens jersey? And what would the player be? She has not asked for a sweater. She, she's a rower. And so she wants it. They, their hours are crazy. So she's usually at the boathouse around 4.30 or 5 in the morning. So wow. she wants a hoodie, you know, a pullover. Because uh, yeah. she goes to school at Dartmouth in New Hampshire. And so it's a little cold there when they walk to the boathouse. So she asked me for that. 
And uh, Ryan just asked me for a baseball hat, so that's okay. There you go. <laughs> Are you the old school with Gord Miller that calls it a sweater and not a jersey? Yes. <laughs> Gord Miller is going to die on this hill about calling it a sweater. I love it. Yeah. Well, Gord and I talk almost every day. He was an amazing partner. We traveled all over the world together. I think we did over a thousand games together, close to it, counting world juniors and Olympics. So Jeez. we had a lot of fun together and um, he's a dear friend. And, you know, I just, I just can't tell you how much he taught me about broadcasting. He taught oh. he and Bob McKenzie and Dave Hodge taught me so much about broadcasting. I'm forever indebted to those gentlemen in particular. Yeah. And, and Gord Miller is absolutely, truly a legend. I, I, and I think I love his call. I think he's one of the best there actually has ever been when it calls play by play. Um, so getting back to the Ottawa Senators and the draft, there's so much going on. Like, how are you going to get up to speed here in the next couple of days with the expansion draft, the entry draft, free agency? I can't imagine the amount of information you've had to consume of like. Well, I, I've kind of stayed up on it. Um, you know, I, the one thing I'd say is uh, Pierre's been great. Pierre Dorian has been great to work with so far. We share information every day, probably two or three different times a day, Brent. And uh, so that's been good. And, uh, you know, I've been in touch with Trent Mann. I'm not even going to try to go near the amateur scouts. They know I'm going to sit in, obviously, in the draft, but they know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. Do I know a lot of the amateur players? I do but I'm in no position to even look over their shoulder. I'm going to sit there and offer them support. In terms of the expansion draft and free agency and, and trades, I'll be more involved in that this year for sure. Um, and I already have been. And so, yeah, no, it's been good. You know, my, my knowledge base really primarily, and Pierre and I have talked about it a lot with our rosters at the professional level. You know, I don't know how many games I watch a year, but I watch a lot. I work over 120 a year, and I probably watch, you know, five or six times that, so... Yeah, I watch a lot of games. Will you make any draft picks? Like the draft is uh, virtual, but will you make any of the picks? Not that I, I don't want to. It's not my job. I think the scouts do such an amazing job yeah. that it's for me to step on their big day would be totally selfish and, and irrelevant, to be honest with you. Um, they're the guys that deserve all the attention and all the accolades because they're the guy. Scouting is so hard. People don't understand this. You work. 362 days a year for two days of success or failure. And yeah. I, I have so much respect for the men and, and women that do the scouting job today. I just have so much respect for them. Hmm. I know you've sat at the draft table before. Uh, this is, comes up to a very important part of our show, the question of what's your favorite snack. Uh, if you were to watch a movie or to be sitting at the draft table and there's a bowl full of something, what is it that Pierre Maguire eats as a cheat snack? Popcorn. Ah, good man. All uh, right, we got our answer. So there was no popcorn in 1990, but this is a good story for you guys. At the draft in Vancouver, 50,000 people were there at the football stadium. It's the first draft I ever worked. And <laughs> we're sitting in the Pan Pacific, Mark, I know you've been there. We're sitting in the Pan Pacific Hotel, all the scouts, Bob Johnson, the late Bob Johnson, Craig Patrick, Scotty Bowman. I'm just a 28-year-old kid, and we're going over all the names. And they say, Pierre, who's the best player in your eyes? I said, Yarmir Yager. It's not even close. And all the other scouts pretty much agreed. So I'll do this without notes. What are we, 30 years later, 31 years later? Owen Nolan went one. Peter Nedved went two. Uh, Keith Primo went three. Mike Ricci went four. And I looked at Scotty. I said, we're going to get Yager. He goes, you better be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was yeah. funny. I'll 
Okay. That one turned out okay in your favor. That one I think. turned out okay. It turned out okay. <laughs> okay, so you've obviously looked over this roster and you know it inside and out. I do. Uh, can you put in perspective what you see in this group as we build here year two, year three, and things start to perhaps come together where this team is becomes a contender? Well, Brady obviously is a tremendously important player to the well-being of the team. Josh Norris has really evolved. Stutzla is going to be a superstar in the league. Colin White is a player that's evolving, uh, which is really good news. The, Shane Pinto, I think, showed a little bit last year of what he can be. I love the speed of Alex Formington. Um, Drake Batherson showed so much, I thought, Brent, last year in yeah. terms of goal scoring and playmaking. So, yeah. like to the puck a little bit more. I think Mark would probably agree with that. So that's a positive. I, I think the big thing though is, and Mark can speak to this better than I, because he was down there with a real good player in Carlson. I, I think Shabbat is one of the better transporters of the puck in the league. And I think one of the better game breakers in the back end in the league. And so when you have that dynamic, it's really important. And I thought uh, Pierre Doran did a great job getting Zub signed. I did the Olympics in Pyeongchang where Zub played on a gold medal winning Russian team. And I, I thought he was outstanding for the Russians at that Olympics. And that was a really good signing for Ottawa. So hmm. all in all, Wally, I see the team being really deep down the road. Uh, our goaltending depth is phenomenal. It's phenomenal, the depth. It reminds me so much of New Jersey in the late 80s and through the 90s and even into the early 2000s. The goaltending depth of Ottawa is phenomenal. Hmm. It is, but is there a concern with Matt Murray and how his game got underway in Ottawa last year? I think Matt would tell you he struggled too. Um, yeah. But I think one of the things that's really happened, I, I don't want to cast any aspersions, but when Zach yep. Burke came in, uh, I thought he had a real good working relationship with Matt and you could see Matt's game evolve. Um, it's a very fickle position. We all know that. Because every time you make a mistake, even though it might not be your mistake, the red light gets turned on and everybody knows the puck's behind you. So it requires a lot of mental strength, requires a lot of maturity, requires a lot of athleticism and a lot of coaching. And I think Matt's been receptive to the coaching and I think Matt is getting bit better all the time. But he had a tough start. I think he knows that and everybody else does too. Yeah, and I think we need to understand or at least appreciate that he had no training camp basically, right? Goes to a brand new team, a completely different organization as a goaltender, mentally probably the most difficult position without a doubt on a team. Do you guys think now it's just a, it's a clean slate for Matt Murray going into this year? And what kind of leash are you looking at with him? Is he... You know, after 10 games, does the, does the panic button get pressed here and looking for another goaltender if he starts to struggle or do you just stay the course with him? I think that's a great question, Mark. I think it's probably better answered by DJ Smith, who's down there yeah. all the time. But it's a fair question. I think the one thing is I think everybody's starting on a clean slate. There's expectation level in the organization. We all know that. And there should be um, yeah. for all of us. But I think that's probably a question that's better served for, for DJ and his staff. But I tell you this, I was there when Matt Murray turned pro in Pittsburgh. I was there when Matt Murray helped to deliver two Stanley Cups for Pittsburgh. If he gets back to that level, that, that's legit big time because he was outstanding for Pittsburgh. Absolutely. Yeah. You're very uh, good friends uh, with Keith Kachuk. Will you be making some phone calls now to make this deal happen? Here? <laughs> we, we're waiting for Brady Kachuk signing. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to leave that to the people that negotiate the deals. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's not necessary. You just do the work. All right. This is all we want you for right now. Yeah. There you go. Wally. I'll be on that. Um, I, I don't want to keep you much longer. I, 
I just want like as you see this team build here, is there missing pieces now? And I, I'll preface this by saying Eugene Melnick has said they're looking for a top center and they're looking for a top four D. I don't want you to get into who you're looking for and all that stuff. Do you think that those pieces are still needed for this team to compete for a playoff spot? I think every team's looking for those things. Um, some yeah. teams are a little bit better suited than others. Um, but yeah, no, I think I have talked about it before. There's a need for uh, depth on defense and there's a need for depth down the middle for every team in the league, not just ours. Um, mm. But if you look at, I, I created, well, I didn't create, but I talk about a thing a lot called a seven player profile. And, you know, it involves a power forward, two dominant center icemen, a specialist forward, which I think we have in Connor Brown. I think we have a power yeah. forward. Obviously, in Brady Kachuk, I think we have a legitimate center in, in Josh Norris. I think Colin White is trending the right way, which is good. Pinto's got a chance to be good, but they're not at the level um, where the Stanley Cup winning teams are. But they're good. They're really good, and it's exciting. I think on defense, we've got one of the best puck transporters in the league in Shabbat. So he measures on the seven-player profile. I think we're looking for the elite shutdown guy. I think every team in the league wants that. And then you have to have an elite goalie, especially because of the salary cap. And because of the parity in the league, there's so many games that go to overtime in the shootout. If you don't have any yeah. goals, you have a problem. Yeah. yeah, and it is interesting. And I look forward to seeing however Ottawa plays out in the, I guess, probably the UFA market or making some deals. But there is one thing that this team has, and that is a plethora of assets to move around. And so is this something that perhaps is not well or maybe overlooked is that Ottawa has the ability to make decisions and moves because they've been able to stockpile so much stuff to acquire the proper assets needed. Yeah, Pierre's done a great job with Trent Mann and the scouts, both at the pro level uh, with Jimmy Clark and at the amateur level with Trent Mann. They've done, I'm telling you, they've done a really good job. I mean, the asset uh, management of this team has been phenomenal. They, they took a path after 2017. They realized that, you know, they needed to do some rebuilding and restructuring, and they have. So it's yeah. really exciting and positive. The only way you can really make deals in this league today is through having assets and they've acquired a ton of assets. So we'll see what the market price is for players, both contractually and, and asset in terms of trading asset for asset. But uh, Ottawa's got a lot of assets, which is very exciting. Uh, I got this question and I, and I don't know the answer to it. And that is, uh, is there nicknames for you and Pierre Dorian? Because how do you keep saying, well, Pierre's doing this or Pierre's doing that? And I've never known you to have a nickname other than Pete. So yeah, is there the a Pierre Maguire Pete? Yeah, no, that's the one. They always call me Pete. I don't know why, whether it's Bob Clark or anybody, <laughs> lots of people. Um, Brian Trotje, I mean, I can go down the line, not to name drop, but guys that I've either worked with on the Hockey Hall of Fame Selection Committee or coached or whatever. But um, no, I always sign off with my last name. I never sign off Pierre. I always sign off McGuire. So that's, I guess, how I do it. All right. So and then it's just Pierre for Dorian. We just call him Pierre. Yeah, well, I call him PD, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, this is important. Everybody's got a nickname in hockey. I think it's important. Um, right. We appreciate your time, Pierre, and it's been fun. It's been weird for me to, to do an interview with you because we've had so many chats at steak dinners and whatever over the past, uh, throughout 20 years. So uh, this yeah. has been interesting, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Well, Wally, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Mark, my thought, you know what I think of you, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for having me on. I look forward to seeing you a lot in the Ottawa community. I'm really pumped. Thanks, Pierre. You're watching the Mark Mathot getting his tires pumped episode of the Wally and Mathot Show. Pierre, take care, my friend. We will see you soon. You will, Wally. Thanks a lot. Take care, everybody. Enjoy yeah. the summer. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mark.
All right, we have a great contest for you right now. Well, not for you, Matt, but for everyone else. Barhaven Ford is giving away four free tickets in the 100 level to the home opener for the Sens' upcoming season. All you have to do is go to barhavenford.com and enter who you think the Sens are going to draft 10th overall in the upcoming draft. The winner will be announced on our show Monday, July 26th. The contest closes on July 23rd at 8 p.m. just as the draft gets underway. Go to barhavenford.com to enter today. All right, time now for On the Points, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds makers. Log on to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot today to get in on the action. And speaking of the action, Math, it is game five tomorrow against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns of the NBA Finals. We thought perhaps there was going to be maybe a sweep because of the way it started with Phoenix winning the first two and then Milwaukee comes back. So does yeah. Phoenix continue the home... Uh, Home field, home court advantage? Uh, I think it's a coin flip, to be honest with you. I know the series is tied to two, but, and we talked about this last game where we were hoping that Giannis would come out and be huge, and he was, but obviously had some help with Chris Middleton. I know he's been really good. So they have some, Milwaukee has really good secondary scoring right there. And again, I can't downplay how good Devin Booker is too, but he, he doesn't have the same supporting cast. So I think at this point, I'm just going to stick with Milwaukee. I've got a good feeling about them. And that that Greek freak is just a machine. Just watching him out there is very impressive. I'm going to go with them again. I was right about last game. Obviously, I was guessing. <laughs> but uh, the, the same the same statement is true with regards to, to uh, Saturday night's game. It should be interesting. You've made this point twice now, how you've picked Giannis and how smart you are about it. Um, so, I'm just patting myself I, on the yeah. back, Wally, okay? <laughs> Not often I get an NBA pick right. I'm usually hockey, so this is different. But again, I've been following it enough to know that that team's looking pretty solid right now. Okay, put your money on Milwaukee, says Meth. That is game five of the NBA Finals. Uh, go to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot and make your bet today. Also, Meth, we've got the NFL season is about two months away. And so, yeah. but if you go to sportsinteraction.com, there is a million different kinds of things that you can bet on. And with the NFL and about who's going to win games and make playoffs and whatnot. But one of the interesting ones is comeback player of the year. Now, Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the, the, Cowboy, the Cowboys, is likely to be the – he's the odds-on favorite. And he's likely to probably win it because he's coming back and he's a pretty good player, as we all know. Interesting, down at the middle of the pack at plus 1,800 is a guy that we've heard a lot about but not so much recently, Tim Tebow. The guy's making a comeback. <laughs> Uh, would you put your money on Tim Tebow Tim Tebow being on the roster when NFL season starts? I have a very hard time betting against a man of faith in Tim Tebow, who's probably the most positive guy I've ever seen in sports on television, in my career at least. So, again, he's doing a pretty cool thing. we got to commend him for that. You know, he's, he's, he's trying out a new position. He's kind of coming out of the woodwork. We know he works really, really hard. Of course, it's a long shot at this point. But, again, I just – I, I, I can't help but cheer for the guy. Again, it, it, it's hard to hate on him, right? And he's such a hard ah. worker. He's got a tight end situation now where I can't, I'm, I can't picture him playing a tight end. I don't think he's tall enough. But again, the man's very strong. He's, uh, he can adapt to playing a new position. We know he's mobile and he can move out there. So again, I won't write him off. He's, he's got size, but I'm tired of Tim Tebow. Okay, I don't think you were very good as a quarterback. I don't think you've been very good since. In fact, you haven't been able to keep a job. So <laughs> I, I'm just done with Tim Tebow. 
and all the circus that kind of surrounds it. That's fair, but it's entertainment, right? That's what it, it is. is. And yeah. so you got to appreciate that part at least. There's a little value there having him in your lineup. Probably sell a lot of jerseys. He's, I, I don't think he's going to be on the roster. So no, that's just me. I, I, I deep down don't believe that either. But again, he surprised us before. So who knows? All right, I'm going to go. I'll go place a bet. I'll do five bucks on Tim Tebow just to see how this all pans out. Um, okay. Those are our picks. Then go make yours. Wally Mathot, uh, well, sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot. Uh, the Wally Mathot Show will return right after this. We got Craig going to join us. Uh, plus, we got some stuff to give away as Trivial Trivia is right around the corner. Uh, you're watching the Wally Mathot Show powered by Barhaven Ford. All right, as we say, thank you to Pierre Maguire. We now welcome in Craig to the show. Uh, as always, it's an exciting time when they start to make changes in the front office and start to show that they're building towards the future here. I, I quite enjoyed the Pierre Maguire interview. I look forward to seeing what he can do. Yeah, you guys did a great job. He, he was a really good guest. I mean, he, I know he's done a lot of uh, interviews and stuff and making the rounds now, uh, but I liked what you guys did with him there. It was a lot of fun, uh, looks back and stuff. But anyways, what I was kind of hoping to do here a little bit was to just chat a bit more about the, the interview you guys just did. There was a few things Pierre said that, uh, I, I don't know, I'd kind of like to get your thoughts on a little bit. Uh, so if you guys don't mind, I just had a couple questions I was going to run through. And, and actually, uh, Matt, I was going to kick it off with something that you said. Uh, you pointed out that like Pierre might be a fresh voice for some of the young players. Uh, what kind of what kind of other maybe benefits does, does his new media like his media past and uh, his name value? What would that bring to a young team like Ottawa? Uh, well, I, yeah, it's interesting because as a player, sometimes when you're always constantly getting that same information from the same certain individuals, it can kind of fall on deaf ears. I hate saying that, but it's just the way it is. It's like any line of work. So when you bring in a fresh face like Pierre, who happens to be incredibly positive. Uh, just from my experiences, at least as a player, when with my interactions with him, as I'd mentioned during the interview, he's just he's just an easy guy to talk to. And he'll pull you aside and he'll be brutally honest, yet very positive at the same time. Now, I don't know, and we talked about it a little, I don't know what his interactions will be like with players immediately and how comfortable he'll be doing that. But I'm sure at some point, it'll probably evolve into that with his role. So uh, again, I, I can't think of too many negatives. I mean, with him, his, his knowledge around the league is so vast, right? He's been covering yeah. so many games that, I mean, it's it's a perfect uh, individual to have working in your front office because he can, he can provide that extra insight. He's not going to be stepping on toes. He's still going to let everyone do their jobs. He's just an added voice, and I think that's what people need to understand. He comes with credibility, first of all. Regardless of how polarizing a figure he is, he's won Stanley Cups. He's been involved in nearly every aspect of some organization or in hockey when it comes to being in the media. So he's seen mm. lots of different things. So he has credibility. He has communication skills, which are huge. So he can go up to players and so they know a, where he's come from and what he's done. And so when right. he speaks, he has some authority, not just a guy that's just walking in going, Hey, what's your name? Nice to meet you. They already know who he is. So that's huge. I think on that part, I've watched him walk into locker rooms, especially in Ottawa and just go to any player he wants to. Like, they will stop anybody and talk to him. Any player can have his attention, and they listen. And so I think that's huge uh, for a number of reasons. And one is just, uh, we brought it up in a number of times, is communication, getting a point across. Hey, maybe they're struggling some night. He can go down, and he can give them the perspective that maybe not everybody else can. I right. Listen, you can talk about the hiring all you want, or whether or not people think that he should be back in hockey after so many years of broadcast. None of that stuff matters. What matters is how he now relays all that information to this organization. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's not like he has the final say 
you right. know, on any big decision. He's just putting, he's just offering his input. He's offering his two cents to any decision that's being made and people can take it or leave it. Right. So I think that's what people really need to kind of grasp here. It's not like he's going to be altering the course of the organization. No, I think he's just there to give a little more insight. He knows what he's talking about. People are going to listen. And one thing he does bring that is lacking desperately in this organization, and that's because of all the past players who aren't part of this organization, is he has been there. He's got that kind of uh, history that comes with him, that been there, done that kind of guy. There isn't a yeah. lot of that to draw in in this organization, yeah. and I think that's and, key. Yeah, not only that, but I think another thing, and you touched on that, is that um, he's just really good with media. So if you yeah. need a figurehead to get in there representing the team to kind of, you know, be able to explain certain situations when things aren't going so well or whatever it may be, I yeah. think just media relations in general, you've got a really well-spoken yeah. individual who happens to be very intelligent and knows the game. Well, let's keep the owner interviews off of anywhere on social media and let's let Pierre Maguire handle those interviews, right? This has been a tire fire of an organization when it comes to media relations. And now we can probably see that be handled a lot better when you have Pierre yeah. Maguire out in front sure. of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that kind of was, again, on display, kind of a Pierre Maguire trademark, is that guy's insane, like, recollection. Like, he was yeah. telling you about games that happened 30 years ago, and he remembers shifts and things like that. Is that, some, is that a benefit to the organization? Can he become a resource for them as uh, at the pro level, like with the amount of games that this guy's watched, like this guy's seen it all. Like, is that going to be a good? How is he not? How yeah, is he not? Exactly. Like, how do you not go to him every time and ask a question? I even if you disagree or don't want his to ultimately decide what he has to say, I don't know how you don't use him in every question on every player personnel decision. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking too. It's one of those where like it, it adds a different opinion. Cause I mean, he watches games, Brent, you watch games as well. So do I and meth as well. Like you're going to see stuff. And for a guy like him with the amount of experience he has, like, I'm sure he's, he's got enough little mental notes on things that if you ask him about anybody, I'm sure he can tell you where they're born, where they're from, the stories of their life. Like that yeah. level of recognition, like you watch, that's what scouts strive for, right. To, to know everything, right. To know it's everything. The background. About the guy. Yeah. Like, and, and I yeah. will say, uh, one of the things that's huge that, and I think it's been brought up before, and it, but it may get overlooked a little, is because he's been in the league for 25 years of watching everybody and having access to every team. Matthew, you know this now as you've gotten out of playing. You learn lots of stuff about people and their histories, their backgrounds, all because you're not part of an organization. Well, now he's gathered that information and he knows what he can do with it. That's I think it's I think it's a very powerful tool to have for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, right. I totally agree. I don't even have anything to add to that. You nailed it. Yeah. It's just, he's just, he's coming in with this incredible catalog of information and the team's going to be able to pick his brain. It's quite, it's, it's just as simple as that. I mean, he's been, he's been out of the hockey side for a, for a while now. Um, and even hearing him talk, like he very much likes kind of the good old days. Do you think that there might be an issue with him adapting to kind of the way hockey operations run today, or is he just kind of, he's a, he's a veteran. He's got the experience that he should be able to kind of, he's yeah, adapted I, and we just haven't seen it yet. I, yeah. I don't understand that angle because for me, it's the guy's been watching hockey religiously up until now. So if you want somebody that's fresh or whatever you want to call it, those are fancy words, but it's not indicative of what he's going to bring to the team. I mean, he can say what he wants, whether that be that, well, he doesn't want to put too much weight in analytics 
I mean, for me, it's simple. He's just being brutally honest. And obviously he's going to use every resource at his disposal. We already know this. And on top of that, he happens to be completely caught up with the entire NHL. He hasn't been insulated in one organization or one division. He's been covering everything. So that's, that's, that's a, that's a huge strength. That's what we got. That's the way we got to look at it. Uh, my only quick point on that is you don't survive this long and consistently be in the league or at any job or any of that stuff without knowing what you're doing. And so yeah. I, I don't know how it's not a benefit. You can argue this whole analytics thing. It's not, he's not an anti-analytics thing. He just simply says you can't always measure trying to win championships based on analytics and whether yeah. or not they're good defensively on face-offs when they're in the third period. It's just, that's not how it works. And you need sure. guys that can pick apart players by watching them. You can't tell me if Victor Hedman's playing on one knee, that if he's not good analytically, that he shouldn't be on the ice when they're winning championships. That's the kind of stuff he's looking at. Yeah, I know we didn't really talk about analytics with him. Because uh, I, I didn't mean, want to. Yeah, and he's yeah, done it. Everybody's he's, been asking he's him. Done it's it like everywhere this, else. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's an issue that's it's not even there. I feel like this has all been just brought on because it's the one thing people want to cling to right now. I mean, it's not it's not an issue. He's obviously the guy. He's a very smart man. He knows what he's doing. You know, we know he's going to use those those resources and assets available to him, right? Like it's a non-issue, and I think that's why we don't want to beat it down on a dead horse with him and just kind of drive the point home. Because quite frankly, I don't see it being an issue. And just to kind of wrap things up here a little bit. Um... What, is it, what does this hiring say to the fans, to everybody else? We've seen Pierre now out and about for the past almost week, right? Like, what, is this, what does this hiring say to Sens fans uh, that are wondering kind of – because, I mean, it was a bit of an out-of-the-blue hire. Not anyone was talking about it. Yeah. But they've been looking to add some sort of uh, – not figurehead, but some credibility, maybe a name value to, to that hockey ops department. Um, what well, is this, well that, that's exactly that? what it is, right? Yeah. They've now added a solid, uh, legitimate player – or sorry, person into their organization in the front office that people, they can say he's polarizing, but they can't really question his credentials because he's been able right. to do it all. And he has got a Stanley Cup ring that he puts on his finger. You get to get to that point. You've been able to do some stuff very well in your career. Yeah. And, and I think to add to that with Wally's point, I think you're at a critical stage right now with this team, as far as where your development is, as far as the rebuild goes you don't want to screw this up, right? You want to make sure you're making all the right decisions. So to bring in another guy who happens to have a ton of experience will only help that process out. And it avoids those obvious mistakes where Pierre might be able to identify, well, maybe that player, I don't know about him or whatever. So he'll be able to lend his two cents when he needs to. And again, this is, this is a very critical part of the growth of the organization of the Ottawa Senators. And I think they are recognizing that. They don't want to drop the ball. So bringing in more help will never hurt you. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, boys, again, great job. That's one of those ones where I, I there was a couple extra things I learned about him today from, from that I didn't get from other interviews. So I thought you guys yeah. did a great job with that. But uh, what we're going to get up to now is we got some stuff to give away. Uh, we got some more pizza. We got some more pizza on deck. So shout out to uh, uh, Pizza uh, Pizza Forno. They've been they've been hooking us up lately. Uh, today's question. Uh, we're, we got expansion draft on the brain. So the, today's question is uh, who was Ottawa's first selection in the 1992 expansion draft? If you know the answer to that, head on over. Twitter, use the hashtag Wally Mathot and be sure to tag at the Pizza Forno on Twitter. Uh, pizza Forno is a 24 hour automated pizzeria making tasty artisanal pizza in three minutes. Guaranteed fresh ingredients and never frozen pizza. Two locations in Ottawa, 33 Clarence Street, 11159 Bank Street. And you can check out their menu online at 
uh, pizzaforno.com. And guess what? We have a little deal for all viewers. You can get $2 off checkout using the code 1321. That is the code 1321. So if you use that, two bucks off your pizza, care of the Wally and Mathot Show and our friends at Pizza Forno. So, hey, pizza's on the menu, boys. The nice. weekend. Yeah, it's the uh, weekend. Let's get some pizzas. Uh, so <laughs> Perfect. Uh, by the way, before we go, uh, a couple of things. One is I said that the show is coming out on Monday. Uh, expect it to be out on Tuesday. I'm sorry. I apologize, but it'll be a really good show on Tuesday, leading into the expansion draft on Wednesday. Um, if you want to get some t-shirts and mugs, go to wallymathot.com. Uh, Meth, um, I can't wait for the next shirt selection that you're going to have. <laughs> I'll switch it up. I'll have something a little different on Monday. Or Looking Tuesday. forward to it. Tuesday. Okay. That's right. Stops. Yeah. Tuesday it is. I anyway, know, uh, that's okay. our show. Thanks for watching the Wally Mathot show powered by Barhaven Ford. Time for us to drive on out of here. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.